Hi, hi everybody. Welcome back to the On the Wrong Track podcast. Uh, it's Austin once again. Um, yeah, uh, I I think this is episode ten, and uh, today is going to be it's going to be a special episode today. Um, today, I I think we're not gonna have we're not gonna have any guests on. We're not gonna have uh, anybody else here. I think it's just gonna be me because. Um, I I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys and kind of introduce myself um, and talk about how, like, over the course of quarantine, I've actually changed a whole lot as a person. Uh, well, in my, well, politically, I, I, I've changed a lot. And I've, like, there, there's been a lot of things that have happened um, since starting this podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've evolved. Uh, politically, I, I I've kind of come out of my shell as a person, which is really nice. College had really shaped me a lot, uh, and I kind of wanted to talk about like growing up, like and how all that kind of eventually led to here, like like kind of like my story, I guess. Um, and kind of I'm gonna just try and kind of show you that I'm I'm an actual person, um, and not some kind of political, uh, uh, religious, uh, hot topic. Um, not hot topic like the store, but like you, y'all know that. Uh, like hot topic, like I, I talk about a lot of very hot button issues and things like that. And there's a lot more to me than that. I feel like people get this idea that I'm just some sort of intimidating um, uncle at the Thanksgiving table that always talks about politics or whatever. It's kind of nuts. I mean, I'll, I'll give them the last part, but like, no, that no, stop it. Anyway. Um, fuck, where do I start? Um, you know, I, see, I was born on a farm. Uh, not many people know that. Uh, I'm actually, I come from a, uh, I wouldn't say a rural background, but, like, particularly, but I, I come, f uh, from a family of farmers. I mean, my grandparents worked for, um, a big tobacco company. They, uh, um, for their whole lives after living on a farm uh, for their for the first half of that. It's complicated, but uh, they came from farmer backgrounds. My parents um, uh, both came from uh, working class backgrounds. My dad worked at like Food Lion for like 30 years, whatever. Um, and I, um, yeah, I was, I just was born onto a farm. I would work for like my entire childhood really I would go out to the farm and uh feed the cows or like if I got asked to go do work out of the shop I would go do that things like that um I I grew up very surrounded by like like conservative uh populist uh culture uh, it sounds weird be using those two words in the same sentence but the like farmers particularly are not fans of like the government and big business but they typically lean conservative. So I, I kind of got raised in that background. Um, and, you know, like when I was, uh, not many people know, I, I'm actually a really big nerd. I, I don't know if y'all could figure, but I'm a, I'm a pretty big nerd. Like when I was in elementary school, um, I would, I won. Um, I actually, no, I, I didn't, okay, I'll just, uh, let me preface with this. Um, I didn't have any friends, okay? I didn't have any friends in elementary school. Um, and so whenever I would get bored, 
I would go to the library and read. I would literally, I literally, and I did not like um, fiction books at the time. And I, I still really, I, I don't really. But anyway, um, I would go there and I would read history books for however long until my class changed. Because my teachers, at that point, like after me just asking to go to the library and bring back, they would just let me go and stay there at that point. And I would just read books instead of talking to people. Like it was really, it was, it was funny. Um, and thus I kind of, I won class bookworm like five years running in elementary school. Um, which I thought is thinking now is hilarious. Um, yeah, I was kind of known as like the quiet nerdy kid, uh, which is hard to believe, uh, now cause I'm definitely not quiet. It is very hard to shut me up. Um, well, eh, depending on the context, I mean, uh, if I'm talking about politics or something, it's very, very hard to shut me up. But um, anyway, uh, I mean, okay, I guess middle school, uh, middle school comes around. Okay, well, a big part of my life now is like, like I I, I played a lot of video games growing up, and I played a lot of. Um, uh, I actually didn't listen to music all that much. Um, I'll just actually wait. Let me just, I just like rail off the things, uh, my hot uh, culture takes. See, okay, I I used to watch I, I watch a fuck ton of movies. I watch so many movies. Um, my favorites though, um, probably are like the cult classics. Like I I really like old movies. I like I was in funny movies. Uh, actually I really like all kinds of movies, dramas, horror, horror. Horror movies are just an extension of comedy, in my view. They're very funny to me because, like, oh, man, I'll still, like, jolt and stuff after I watch. But, like, it's funny how bad most of them are. So I, I watch them as comedies. Um, but anyway, I like, like, my favorite movies are, like, movies like um, Napoleon Dynamite, Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, um, and... Uh, dramas, I guess, like uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. That That's a really good movie. Uh, I really like Moonlight. I really like... I would like movies like that. Uh, there's 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 too many of them to name. Um, I really like Dr. Strangelove. I like directors like uh, Stanley Kubrick. I really like um, old act 80s action movies, even though they're kind of like propaganda, but y you know what? I, I like the explosions. It's kind of cool. Um... I like Marvel movies to some extent. I'm not like all into the the universe and stuff like that, but I can enjoy a good Marvel movie. I mean, they're all kind of the same, but it's like I said, I like explosions. It's really nice. But I like one of my favorite hobbies before the pandemic was to always go and see movies in the movie theater. Um, and I love watching movies with my friends. I love uh, watching movies by myself. I, I love TV shows as well. I love when I was in middle school, um, I really liked Doctor Who, uh, and I was like one of the Doctor Who lock, I, I don't know, the Who lock people, Super Who lock, that's what it was. Um, I was one of those people, I, I, and I wasn't out there, like I didn't have like a fan account or anything, but I liked those three shows. They were just good, I, in my view, then. I mean, obviously I was wrong, because I watched the rest of Supernatural, I watched like the last uh, three fourths of it, <laughs> and, and it was it got bad. It, it got it, it got they, they ran out of ideas, and um, 
yeah, it was really bad, but I really liked how they tied in like Christian lore and stuff. That I thought that was cool. Um, I like the concept of blending history and modernity, things like that. I love Doctor Who because, and that got me really interested in sci-fi. I love Sherlock just because of the pure mystery. I, they were all really good shows. I still really enjoy uh, British TV a lot. Like I really like Broadchurch. Um, if y'all don't know, that's like a uh, mystery kind of thing. It's same kind of idea as Sherlock, but there's no like genius. It's uh, like some kid gets murdered and they have to figure out who did it, etc. Like I, I think that's cool. I I really like that, but um, that kind of thing. Um, I like Dexter. I like really gritty TV shows and movies. Like The Hateful Eight, very good movie. I really enjoy um, Quentin Tarantino films. They're 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 funny. Um, many of them are funny, uh, like Pulp Fiction, uh, and they're all kind of intense. And I love wrapping the story together. Like I think The Hateful Eight may be one of my favorite story movies of all time. Like the story is just fantastic. Um. I don't know, but I could I could kind of just watch anything to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, th those are my those are my culture takes. I guess I don't know. Uh, I really like classic rock music. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, I I can listen to everything. I can listen to like almost every genre. I like classical music. I like um, I like like R and B music. I like. Like rap, rap is actually it's grown on me a lot more. I used to say I don't like it, but now I I kind of do. But it's got to be like, um, kind of kind of softer stuff, like stuff that's not super intense and out there. Like I, I can't listen to like Lil Pump. Like I I can't un I unironically I can't unironically listen, but I can enjoy intense shit ironically, or if I'm just in a particular mood. Like it it kind of all depends, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't really enjoy uh, heavy metal all that much. Um, I like music that like kind of tells a story, and I like music that I have to decipher, and I like soft music. Like, not soft. Like, I like soft rock. I like music that you kind of can just relax and listen to it. And kind of vibey music. I, I don't know how to describe, because that means something different to different people. But, like, something I can listen to on a late-night drive when I'm just listening to the when i would otherwise be listening to the sound of uh everything in passing it's just almost calming i, I like calming music like like jim croce jack like my favorite artists are like bob seger jim croce jackson brown jackson brown being probably one of my favorites um my favorite song uh actually and also billy joel billy joel uh was actually the first artist i got into but i'll, I'll get into that in a, in a minute but um I love, um, my favorite songs are probably like Vienna by Billy Joel, and I will get into that, because uh, there's a funny story behind that. Uh, American Pie by Don McLean. Like, love that. That song is so deep on so many levels. I love the story that it tells. It's so good. And it's a long song. It's very catchy, too. I like that kind of stuff. Like, I, I love um, just acoustic guitar or a soft electric guitar. That's kind of cool to me. I, I like that, but Anyway, you can just say I have a boomer taste in music. I, I like, okay, country music, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. A little bit more old country music, particularly. I, I really like that stuff. I, I can appreciate it. Uh, I don't like the stuff that's like, like literally you can't understand them because they're speaking Southern, like the language. 
Um, yeah, no, no, stop it. Get some help. But I like the like Woody Guthrie and like uh, Dolly, like they're that kind of stuff. Spot on. I love that. Like, cause it all has like working class messages and like really awesome messages at that. Um, uh, I but modern day Zach Brown band is probably the only um uh, like modern country. Sorry, excuse me. Um, that I can listen to. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that's the extent of the cultural takes I will give you today. Uh, Cheerios are the best cereal. Really like pizza. Um. You know what? Controversial opinion. Okay, I live. Okay, I raise cows. Okay, but I I hate the meat industry. Okay, and I want it to go away. But filthy. I mean, I mean, uh, guilty pleasure. Uh, I really like chicken. I really like chicken nuggets. I really like uh, steak. Steak is very good. I need to get off of it. I need to stop. I, I'm I'm working on it. Actually, I've actually not eaten a steak in like two months. Something. I mean, no, actually, probably about a month. Um, and it's been good for me. It's been nice. Um, and, uh, but that, that, that's all kind of good. I was a picky eater growing up. Like my parents, they never like let me like, like force me to eat things or I would always, we, uh, like wiggle out of eating things. And yeah, only recently after I took a trip to Russia, which I can get into later, but I'll probably forget to, um, I, it was a study abroad kind of thing. I, got a scholarship for it and trust me i don't have that kind of money i didn't come from a very wealthy family oof um <laughs> i mean um yeah uh yeah only recently i've kind of expanded uh and now i really like acp like arroz con pollo i could eat that shit all the fucking time it's so good even though like around me it's like really whitewashed and stuff but it's still so good so good Oh my god. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's important to me. I usually don't like talking about this kind of stuff when introducing myself. I think it's weird. But like, you know what? Might as well. Um anyway, uh middle school. <laughs> oh, a big thing about me uh in middle school was like I discovered like I started to like late elementary school is when I first picked up I picked up my first game, which was uh Call of Duty Black Ops. Um, and I played, I played the fuck out of zombies and that, that, that still continues to this day. I still play it every so often and it's a really nice way for me to relax and stuff. And I played it really intense back then. I, until about like sophomore year of high school, actually really junior year, uh, I played video game. No, really. I'll say sophomore year, sophomore year. Uh, I, I played video games like religiously, like intensely, like I'd play like all day, every day when I could. It was so bad. I mean, I played my like I, I played a lot of zombies. I played a lot of like Black Ops and things like that. Um, I liked uh, Grand Theft Auto. Oh wait, that might have been my first game actually, because I picked that up when I was really young. Oof. Um. Oh wait, fuck! I forgot. I forgot to mention this. Um, I said I watched Talladega Nights. Um, and Step Brothers. Something about me, y'all should probably know, is that. I really like comedy. I really like, like, as a concept, it's awesome. Because you can make social critiques, and you can be funny, and you know what? You have, like, a freer speech than most people do. Because you can kind of talk about anything you want, uh, to an extent, of course. But you have more room to talk about things and to kind of make a social commentary and be funny. 
like it's just funny to me i really enjoy it um like i really i grew up like my parent my dad uh <laughs> i'm sorry to call him out on this uh he let, made the mistake of letting me watch step brothers and talladega nights and <laughs> watch the Chappelle show uh and south park all these really dirty kind of things when i was like six when i was really young like i i, I learned about like some really intense stuff when i was real young um and whether that fucked me up who knows i mean y'all can judge no it probably did but like i Dave Chappelle is actually one of my heroes now i listen to a lot of george carlin i listen to richard pryor um bill burr is good i guess uh john mulaney i love john mulaney john mulaney is very funny um but yeah i really like dave Chappelle and his kind of brand of comedy uh yeah um anyway yeah, middle school comes around. Uh, okay, and to preface, like I said, I was into like Super Hulak. I was kind of like one of those kids. So obviously, I also played Minecraft. <laughs> I picked up Minecraft in like sixth or seventh grade, and I was not the same. I I was not the same since. Like I wore Minecraft shirts and shit to school, and I thought it was so cool. Like I thought I was like like I don't know. Like I I was I was thought it was really cool. Um, I didn't wear, I wouldn't go so far as to wear like a creeper hoodie or anything, but I did like flex on everybody when I would be wearing like my, whatever Minecraft shirt I had on. It's really bad. Um, I still didn't really like talk to people at this time, but you know what? That's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, oh God. Um, let's see uh yeah oh yeah i had like a really rough time in middle school um and like i i loved ever since i was a little kid i loved history um i like like i said i would always go to the library and read history books and i loved particularly the presidents uh and things like that uh i'll get to that in a minute because that kind of shapes my whole political joining politics and things like that um yeah uh middle school kind of a mess i kind of hated it um i did a lot of stupid things um like okay there was um i was not i thought i was an ag like academically gifted as they called it here which is the program where you can get to be in like the more accelerated classes and like be with all the smart kids and i thought i was in that because i was always in those classes but apparently i wasn't certified and the only reason, and I wouldn't have really cared otherwise, um, but I had a crush on this girl, okay? And this the same crush will appear, like, show its ugly head here in a, a second as well. Um, and I went out of my way, and I took the test, like, like the year before the AG program would expired, like, leading into, like, eighth grade, because I realized I wasn't in a class with them or any of my friends. Um and uh i did it i got in and we had classes together and uh, it really didn't go anywhere uh i'll get to that in a moment uh there's a funny story um that (laughs) probably i mean i wouldn't say it i don't know but anyway let's just say let's just kind of move on high school okay um high school rolls around um uh and you know what I had a really rough time at the beginning of high school. Um, like a really rough, like, like freshman year was probably one of the worst years of my entire life. Um, I, I did 
I, I actually, um, I joined band. I was in band through like all of middle school. Uh, and I kind of didn't like it because it was just it was just kind of dumb. We kind of just wasted our time the entire time, and I, I just kind of didn't like the atmosphere. It was too competitive, uh, and kind of like overly competitive. Like like I don't care that you did all your pass offs and you got all these little um, things done out of the book or whatever. Or you're kissing up to the teacher the most, whatever. But the same girl I just talked about, um, uh, I she she was. She talked about how she was going to join band, um, and uh, and, and going into high school. And this this is kind of really funny. So I heard this, and I was like, "Ooh, ooh, she's doing this. Okay, let's join band in high school. Okay." Um, and I did it. I joined it, and immediately, immediately as we hit high school, she like turned. It's a weird thing. Like I've never seen somebody turn such a heart like a hard line like to being a complete ass like she was like one of the nicest people i'd met up until that point and when she got to high school she just started being mean to everybody and like very pompous very full of herself it was very weird i mean I, i've never seen it before and i stopped liking her i i, I hate and no i was not a fan um and um yeah uh i was like okay i'll just quit band next year and then off of a whim i decided to like um I got chosen to be like section leader for my section. Um, and basically then I couldn't leave at that point and I was stuck in band for the rest of high school because of that. And I thought it's, it's really funny to me. I, I don't know. Um, I, I kind of hated band. I always made fun of band, uh, but it was a big part because it made me not have a social life really um, to a large extent. My only social life was kind of making fun of band uh, ironically and ironically being in it. Uh, but I actually had a whole lot of fun. I met, I met so many of my good friends in band. I had so many great experiences. Um, it was needlessly dramatic and chaotic a lot of the time. Uh, like I, when I was section leader, every year I always had like little children. Okay, preface: I like kids. I love kids. I'm just not the bad ones. But I always got the bad ones, like the ones that were like. Like, I had, like, a really spoiled kid. I had a really, just a dumbass. I had, actually, had two dumbasses. Uh, one person who just didn't want to be there, who was, like, forced by his mom to do it, which I thought was very funny. And we joked around. We became friends by the end. But it was always extremely frustrating for me because I always got the worst of the lot. Like, no offense to them. I'm, all, I'm good friends with uh, all of them except for one of them. Like, now. But um, it was so hard to manage little children uh and i was always like i always made myself the butt of every joke just because i wanted to seem friendly to everybody but like kids in like the low brass section were just so awful like they're just awful they don't listen uh but whatever you know complaining aside i had so much fun um anyway yeah freshman year anyway it just it just really kind of sucked my whole life kind of fell apart it was really bad so sophomore year rolls around um and oh um well yeah i should probably mention bernard oh yeah of course um th this is actually kind of really really important in my story see at the end of seventh grade uh yeah um i think it's at the beginning of eighth grade year i guess or just before the summer before eighth grade um this man 
this is this is twenty twenty fifteen. Okay, um, this guy decides to run for president. His name is Bernard Sanders. Okay, and like like I said, I really like the presidents growing up. I I loved I loved reading. I loved history particularly. I read all the president books in the library. I learned. I memorized all my presidents when I was like five. Like like it was kind of stupid how much I read and like how much how obsessed I was with the presidents in U.S. history. Actually, not as much at that time U.S. history, but like world history. Um, I'd get into U.S. history because of politics, but this guy decides to run for president. His name is Bernard Sanders. And like I heard him speak at his like announcement uh, and at the first debate, uh, Democratic debate, where he was like, I don't care about your damn email. Like I heard that uh, and I heard what he talked about and how he spoke. And I was like, yo, one of my heroes is like FDR and Teddy Roosevelt and LBJ and Abraham Lincoln. Like these presidents that I had read about, these really cool people, by the way, uh, retrospect, um, no presidents are good presidents. At the time, I liked, I, I kind of held the same opinion because they were all kind of shitty. But um, I just kind of particularly liked them because you know what? They were better than the other ones. So anyway. Um, they were, they sounded like, kind of like my heroes. Like my favorite president at the time was FDR. Um, and it was like, oh my God, I hear a lot of FDR on what Bernie says. And I was like immediately inspired. I fell in love with this man, Bernard. Um, and I got so into politics all of a sudden. It was very suddenly. I mean, I'd watched the election. I was vaguely interested in what Obama was doing in 2012. I got, I was like, when I was like 10 or 11, like, I don't know. It, it was weird how obsessed I was I got uh, because of Bernie and um, I would like watch election results come in I would read up on policy I would debate people and mind you I was like 13 or 14 wait no I was 14 or 15 yeah throughout this 2016 I was um, yeah and I, I just really got I got into it I, I just I really vibed with the idea of helping people and somebody who ran for president on the idea of hey you know what you guys i kind of like you like like people you're you're kind of cool i mean i'm, I'm obviously dumbing this down now but um yeah i really enjoyed it i would every day when the primary results would come in i was like uh i was the quintessential like okay guys this is how bernie can win to my like middle school class it was very weird like, nobody cared, except for my teachers. They were oddly interested in, and we always talked about politics uh, and what I thought about it and, like, the results that would come in. But I would just be, like, in the middle of class on my phone watching the results. I distinctly remember me watching the results from Indiana come, come in. I was so excited. I was, like, jumping up and down. I was like, he was not supposed to win this state. Or, like, in Michigan, he was not supposed to win this state. But he had the biggest uh, political uh, upset in American history when he won the uh, Michigan primary after uh doing really good in a debate the previous night it's like oh my god that's awesome and i would just talk about the nonstop. it was very cool and i was always like doing the delegate math see how bernie could win i was always complaining about how rigged it was that kind of thing anyway um keep that in the back of your mind okay um i'm still really into politics at this time in high school um but sophomore year rolls around i get a big like um, rude awakening because I realized that my grades sucked and I wanted to go to college. Like I had a really bad year 
and I was, I was like, I'm like one of the kids where it's like, like I, I think I'm smart. Like I, I, I'm good at school. I do, I'm good at it, but I don't put any effort into it, or I didn't, and I didn't do my homework, stuff like that. It, it was really bad, and I also had a really bad run-in with some teachers. Like I had some really mean teachers, like teachers who just did not like me. Mostly because I talk about politics a lot, but you know what? That that's okay. That's that's fine. Whatever. I've gotten used to it. But um, yeah, I I kind of stopped playing video games, things like that. Um, actually, um, one notable thing about my sophomore year is, is I kind of started to come out of my shell a little bit more. I was again really nerdy in high, in the beginning of high school, but I just started talking more because I realized um, I I just you know I just grew up a little bit and yeah uh but sophomore year um something kind of big happened uh in my life um i don't know if y'all remember but on valentine's day 2018 um i think it was yeah i was 16 at the time and um we were going to like an academic competition because it was one of the clubs i was in i really loved that i fucking i was great at it but that has nothing to do with this. I loved history, the history, social science category, and general knowledge. I throughout high school, I rocked at that. I don't care what anybody says. I it was awesome. I was I really loved it. I love trivia. Well, it's one of my things. Uh, I know a lot of stupid shit about history and the world and North Carolina specifically. Anyway, um, what uh, what would happen? What happened that day would probably change me for the rest of my life. Um, now, now about a month before, um, I actually had gotten involved in my first protest. Okay. I, I was really, really passionate about politics. I was still reading into like post Bernie losing, um, still really mad about that, but I was really, I was a social Democrat at the time. I was like, yeah, Medicare for all. Yeah. Do all those things. And I went, yeah. And like women's rights, all that stuff. But I was always obsessed with policy and I, I kind of did my research and things then. But not as much of the scale as I do now. Um, but anyway, November 20th, um, I went to my first protest. I kind of accidentally, um, I was meaning to go to the Women's March, but I thought it was the next day, January 21st. Or, but I realized, and I was downtown uh, eating at my favorite pizza place, Mellow Mushroom. I love that place. Very good. Um, and basically what happened was I saw people outside with like, um, signs and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. The protest is today. The women's march is today. I was so excited to go to that. I was like, ooh, ooh, my first event. Actually gonna go see. And I was eating there with my parents, um, and I pull the waitress aside. I'm like, hey, dude, can you, like, bring me, like, a Sharpie and, like, a kid's menu? I have an idea. And yeah, she brings a Sharpie kid's menu. And I make my first protest sign <laughs> On the back of a mellow mushroom kids menu that sits right behind me, actually, it's a uh, it's a kind of beat up now, but it says "Times Up," and uh, because it's the height of like the Me Too movement, which is something that like I'm very passionate about. Like I like holding people accountable in that way. It's it's one of my things. Like holding people accountable is probably like in getting stuff done and making progress, social progress is probably one of my main things. Um, and so I just went out there. I kind of left my parents uh, and I went out there to the march. I joined them. I met a lot of people who I would in the future work with actually organizing. 
Um, like that's a big part of my life now. And I met these people then. They obviously don't remember me, or I think they might. Like one of them brought up how they remembered me from the women's march because of my sign. Because uh, I, I told told them my story or whatever, and um, it was interesting. Um, let's see, yeah, and so about a month after, uh, fe- uh, what's uh, February fourteenth, uh, Valentine's Day, we're going to go to a competition. Um, ob- uh, and we hear about a school shooting that is taking place in Parkland, and immediately after the school shooting. Um, like we were very heartbroken at the time because I had watched many school shootings. I'd watched Newtown, um, uh, and uh, various other like like the Boston Marathon bombing, like shootings, terrorist attacks, things like that were always a big part of like growing up in America. Like I always did the school shooting drills. I was always very scared about that kind of happening. But it was also kind of normalized. It was kind of desensitizing. Um, it was really weird. Uh, I never really thought about it, I guess, until now. But uh, it's very weird, school shooting drills and things like that. But anyway, um, in the media aftermath, there were students from Parkland, like kids my age, like, I mean, well, they were obviously two years older than me, uh, most of them. Like, they were all seniors or juniors. And they um, decided to organize and advocate for gun reform. Like, like getting universal background checks, bans on high-capacity magazines, banning assault weapons, blah, blah, blah. Everything we had in the Brady Bill in the early 2000s that made life kind of better, like a national gun registry, things like that. And I, at the time, was really moved by this. And I was really moved by the fact that they called for a student walkout, a national walkout. So I went to their little website, and I signed up my school for it, kind of without telling anybody. But I was just like, you know what? I'm going to organize this thing for my school. I mean, I talked to a few people about doing it. And um, I signed my school up for it like a couple of days before the plan thing was, which was like March 14th, about a month after uh, by that time. And um, uh, yeah, this is like what? No, actually, it was like a week before, like when we signed everybody up. And, like, immediately after, um, we immediately got to work spreading the news, getting people to come and leave their classes and kind of stand up and, like, protest the fact that nothing was happening uh, on the national level or on the state level or on the local level for uh, substantive gun reform, gun restrictions, things like that, to keep things from, like, what Nicholas Cruz did um from happening ever again we we never wanted to see another mass shooting or be another another drill things like that um and so immediately after i get called up to the principal's office um for obvious reasons um and i get verbally berated like like on a scale i have never like else felt like i was so intimidated i was terrified um my principal kind of tore into me about this. Like, why are you doing this? You're interrupting the school day, blah, 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 blah. If you don't do, we might fucking expel you or you're, you will be punished if you do this. And after a little bit of negotiating, which, like I said, I've been coming out of my shell. I've learned how to talk a little bit. Um, and I kind of negotiated and he said, you know what? Fine. We'll let you have this one thing. You walk out for 17 minutes. Uh, for the 17 victims, you go to the cafeteria and you can do your event. That's fine. Um, and I was like, great, that's a win. 
that's a win. I mean, obviously, looking back now, oh my god, I should have done so much more. But I was also a sophomore in high school. Uh, but anyway, organized this first event uh, with a couple friends of mine, um, and we have. It was extremely successful. Um, we had like 600 kids, I think was the estimate, the crowd estimate, like filled, filled our cafeteria, like to the brim. Like there were people standing on tables. It was a very raucous crowd, like very out there and very just kind of active and talkative and things like that. Um, and I spoke actually, uh, which was hard to believe that I had the balls to do that at the time. Uh, and I kind of did it and I kind of enjoyed it. Like that, that sounds weird to say, but I was extremely passionate about what I believed in. I talked about how this should not be the end. We are not going to stop here. We're going to advocate for specific policies. Like I named uh, banning assault weapons, uh, universal background checks, bans on high capacity magazines, blah, blah, blah. Like I would go down the list. I would say, these are the things we need to keep in mind. We need to speak seriously, specifically. We need to get educated. We need to go out there. We need to keep protesting. We need to keep posting on social media. We need to stay active in this fight for justice, right? That kind of message. And um, yeah, that it went over very well. Um, and everybody, like, and we kept up the fight a little bit. Um, and uh, let me explain. I, by the way, I. I didn't enjoy it in the sense that politics is not something that's meant to be enjoyed. It's just that I was so passionate about it and I felt like I had found my calling. Like 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 the thing I wanted to do in my life, which was advocate. I loved I loved speaking. I loved uh the aspects of feeling like you're doing something and you're actually getting something done. And we actually kind of did eventually, I'm pretty sure. I'm if I'm not mistaken, we got um small level um gun restriction put on in parks in Winston-Salem. Uh, we actually kept on protesting as well. We had uh, one more protest that, uh, and we made a banner that I was going to present to Virginia Fox, who dodged my meeting request, who was our congresswoman at the time. Uh, obviously, the districts have changed since. Um, she was, uh, she's the most conservative woman in Congress. She, she like, literally is. Um, uh, oh, really, what... Uh, I mean the conservative member. She's one of the most conservative members. Um, she's in a gerrymandered district. Winston-Salem is gerrymandered at the time. Uh, it still kind of is. But anyway, yeah, and I wanted to present a banner to her with a bunch of signatures. We ended up getting about several hundred signatures on this, including David Daggett, like a local celebrity who's, oh my God, it, Daddy Daggett. He, that's what we called him. He always would like speak at our school. Uh, he was kind of like a meme. Like, he was he was a meme. Like, everybody kind of... He was such an asshole to people. And so everybody just kind of made fun of him, and then he just kind of became a meme. Uh, his skin was orange. He always, like, he always, like, did our little um, motivational speech at the beginning of each school year, and he talked about how he did an Iron Man. He always would brag really bad in his meetings. You know, he had, he had really cheesy commercials and billboards all over town. It, it was really funny. Everybody kind of knew who he was. Um, and yeah, um, he, he even signed our banner who he was, cause he was at school that day when I was doing, taking signatures. Um, and yeah, 
uh, we had another protest meeting and where I told, hey, everybody should probably join Young Political Leaders, this club on campus, which was our resident political club, because they had gotten rid of the Young Democrats and the Young Republicans. Um, and like to just kind of keep up the fight, things like that. And then it kind of died down. Um, uh, yeah, there, um, yeah, that, that's really kind of it. That was like my first real like protesty thing. And it like, I was like, I want to keep doing this. And like later on, uh, this is junior year now. Uh, junior year, I'm really getting my shit together. I took a lot of AP classes. Like I was like, fuck it. And I did, I did okay. Like I was, I was fine with that. I, I got my stuff together and I started to care about school until obviously the very end. Cause I would always get like into the year itis, uh, which would, uh, for your, like, which is senioritis in training. Um, yeah. Um, uh, junior year, my project then was cause like one of the main issues I love to focus on uh, and uh, I'm very passionate about is poverty in both like the city and in rural areas and i feel like it just doesn't get talked about enough like the causes of such a thing and like economic inequality is just one of my it's it's the thing that motivates me every day like because i want to everybody to live a very good life uh and a very um prosperous life to share in the fruits of their um the country they live in uh and what they do what they work what like the like they spend so much time every day working like they should earn they should have a right to health care they should have uh not to worry about housing things like that and that that's when i decided uh, uh when i learned that winston-salem is one of the worst cities in the entire and probably the entire country in terms of like childhood poverty like one third according to the like poverty thought and this is the document i read it was called the poverty thought force final report and it found that Winston-Salem has one of the highest rates of childhood poverty, of uh, veteran poverty, of um, uh, poverty that is disproportionately um, affecting black and brown communities. Like, it's very bad. We're one of the worst cities in the nation. And so I decided to organize a town hall around that, to talk about it and to propose solutions. Um, I was awful with timing, uh, and I would really regret this when Corona happened. Um, so it, it ended up happening um, uh, the day after prom. <laughs> the day after prom was supposed to happen, and we actually had a lot of really good people show up. Um, it was actually not very well. Like we had like fifty people in attendance. It wasn't very big, but it took me like months to plan. Uh, um, and we had. Uh, Mayor Allen joins. We had Scott Bowen, uh, who is a local minister, and he ended up running for office after. He's a very progressive guy. I love Scott. Uh, Allen joins. Uh, my opinion on him is shifting. <laughs> um, I, I, I loved him. I, I worked with him a little bit, uh, and I'll get to that in a moment. And the event, and um, we had John Rayleigh. Uh, John Rayleigh, uh, he was the former editor of the. Um, Winston, uh, editor of the editorial section on the of the Winston Salem Journal. Uh, he's the head of uh, some organization now. I've I've since forgot. Uh, I don't know how much work it's doing, but um, they were all there and they wanted to talk about what they were doing uh, citywide uh, to address the poverty issue and to talk about specific aspects of it. Like Scott talked a lot about food insecurity and housing, 
uh, Alan Joins talked a lot about like the history of the city, the way the city was built, the current problems, uh, the current like the city council resolutions that were being passed, things like that. Uh, and John Rayleigh uh, filled in the gaps. He talked about Medicaid. He talked about statewide stuff. Um, and I, I would just like post questions to them. I would provide my own commentary, and I would provide. I provided. I talked about specific solutions. One thing I hit home was like we need to make Forsyth Tech, which is our local community college, free. We need to make it free because education is one of the leading factors. Uh, for people not uh, to be able to get a good job and to make it in today's economy. And it's actually kind of, it was kind of expensive for a lot of poor families on the side of the city. And uh, there were a lot of uh, vacant homes that were not, uh, that were run by really crappy landlords that people could not get into. There was a really crappy transportation system that was not allowing people to go to work um, and far away from their house. Like, we had we have one of the worst food de we have probably um uh oh wait um yeah we have one of the food worst food deserts in the nation but i remembered a statistic uh winston salem ranks like third to the bottom winston salem poverty uh yeah um we we rank uh, we rank third to the bottom, uh, in terms of like childhood poverty. Uh, I mean, in terms of like uh, economic mobility, that's what it was. We are we are one of the crappiest cities in terms of like moving up in the world economically, and we're twentieth in the nation in terms of childhood poverty, of uh, like in terms of cities. Like we're we're we have really bad situation. Um, and so community college making that free was one of my goals with the. Town Hall, and that actually ended up happening by November of that year, uh, of um, 2019, last year. Yeah, like, I don't know, because uh, I talked to Joins, um, Mayor, Mayor Joins, um, after, and we had talked about making that happen, and then it eventually did happen. Like, there was a lot of, after the Town Hall and during, and for years before, but it really kicked up in that summer, um, there were lots of calls from the activist community to do that like make make for tech free it was those big movements there and i thought that was kind of cool uh contributing to that and contributing to that conversation obviously i would have done things so much differently um looking back now i had with the experience i had i was really not that knowledgeable i had just read the report and i'd read articles and I'd, I'd done my research but i i'm a lot more knowledgeable now than i was then again i was a junior in high school but like a, and i I was sad. I was always sad that I missed prom, um, because next year I, because I, I simply would not have time because I was I was studying and I was getting everything ready and I was making sure Sunday would work and I was stressing so much. I knew I would not go and I didn't have anybody to go with either. <laughs> I was still kind of a loser, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, and then. Yes, Moose Salem, really. Rest of junior year. I I got like oh god. Oh man. Uh personal life things like oh man, some really rough people I associated with. Uh like oof. Yeah. Um I'm not even gonna go into that because it's just the whole thing. But um yeah, uh that was really 
me getting into politics then, and then kind of fast forward to senior year. Senior year was great. I was vibing. I had senioritis the whole time, but I was vibing. I was I had AP Euro. I had my favorite teacher of all time. I was the head of young political leaders then. I was vibing. I had so many friends. I was writing newspaper articles, op-eds um, that were uh, sadly edited by my ex, who really, really, really hated me. Um, so bad, in fact, that, oh, God. Uh, oh, well. But, um, yeah, it, <laughs> you know what? But I was still vibing. I, I, I was making friends. I was just kind of living my life, talking about politics. I was like the resident political guy on campus. I was registering people to vote. And I've been doing that for like the last two years. But like, um, I was kind of going all out uh, because I knew the election was coming up, uh, the 2020 election. Um, and yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. And then, uh, then 2020 happened. 2020 has been probably my, not my, the most eventful year of my entire life. I've probably grown the most this year out of any year of my entire life. And I, I think I say that every year. I always like, I always make an end of the year post on my Instagram. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, this year was fantastic. It was the best year of my 2020. I've grown a lot. I have changed. I've really changed. Um, I've grown like my shell's gone. Like it's just gone. I mean, in certain situations, I'm really, really shy, whatever, but I'm at, I'm kind of out of my shell. I'm very happy. Uh, but quarantine, um, quarantine, uh, when, when that happened, um, I, I started to change. I like, this is, this is my transformation. When, when quarantine hit, I was initially like happy. I was fine. I was like, dude, I'm used to this. I like being at home. I like being alone. You know, I'm vibing with this. I'm just going to play some Minecraft. It'll be over in a couple weeks and bada bing, bada boom. Actually, no, I, I thought we weren't going to go back to school because it would be over in a couple weeks and it happened towards so close to the end of the school year. Um, I actually didn't do any of my schoolwork because I had made a gamble that they would just cancel the rest of our grades. And I was already admitted to UNC and I was already vibing. Um, so yeah, it was fine. Um, oh wait, I should I should probably talk about how I met Bernie. That's actually one of the biggest things in my senior year. Oh well, fuck. Bernie decided to run for president. Um, uh, because uh, this this leads into the whole quarantine thing. God forbid. Um, so Bernie decides to run for president again, and I work for him. I just started fucking working. I was working my ass off. Um, I actually ended up uh volunteering for him in South Carolina. And this is this is a really funny story. Um, uh, I I got there like really early. I was gonna volunteer. I wanted to go see an event of his, and I ended up volunteering at it, which I didn't expect. I wanted, I just wanted to see him speak because I got there like three hours early. They just let me hop on in and start working and stuff like that. And then uh, <laughs> uh, I start working for him. Uh, and he eventually gets there. He does his event. It's a really good roundtable discussion with Philip Agnew, a couple of the activists that were there. Um, Nina Turner, my fucking hero, like a fucking queen. Like, I love her to death. I met her, and I got, uh, I got she hugged me. It was fantastic. Um, and afterwards, um, uh, we go out, and uh, Bernie always meets with his volunteers to take a picture. 
and to talk with him for a minute. He had to go to another event, um, but he he saw me, and I'm I shit you not, and this is probably one of the proudest moments. He pulled me aside and he was like, "You know, I saw you in there, and I just gotta say, I'm very jealous of your hair. By the way, uh, <laughs> I I wish I had hair like that, like that kind of thing." And I melted. I was like, dude, that's so awesome. I would say I was jealous of your hair, too. <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> uh, good times. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was beautiful. Uh, we had a small conversation about climate change right after, um, which was cool. Uh, I, it was awesome, man. Uh, and then, you know, uh, months go by. Um, still reeling in that event. I'm working, uh, volunteering for Bernie and Winston, um, doing canvassing, stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, right about February, I think he decides to come to Winston, uh, just before the primary, um, super Tuesday. And, um, he goes to Winston Salem state. Um, I'm working there of course. And I run into him again. Um, it, it's weird. I was just like running errands and I passed by him and his security team in the hallway behind the stage where he'd be speaking. And, um, yeah, uh, he said he, I mean, I didn't notice. I, I, I was just bringing papers. I didn't see him until we passed by each other. He stops, uh, the whole crew stops. I, I didn't recognize uh, that it was him. I was just looking at the papers that I was delivering because I was just kind of curious. Um, and I look up, and I see that it's Bernie. I'm like, holy shit. Uh, and I, uh, we, as we're both passing, and he stops, and he's like, hey, wait, I think I know you, kid. I think I remember you from South Carolina. You were the one with the hair. And I was like, oh, my God, he remembers me. Holy shit. Bernard Sanders remembers me. Whoa. And then I melted. And I was like, dude, I think I remember you too. Like, uh, and we just vibed. Me and Bernie vibed, and it was great. Good times. And he went out. To, he was like, "I gotta go speak now." And then he went out to go speak. Uh, he gave a great speech. I obviously didn't hear the first part of it, but you know what? I'm not upset about that. Um, and I just kept working. And then, you know, I was, I was, I was really hurt. Um, the night that uh, all the centrist candidates kind of coalesced around Joe Biden and Joe Biden ended up winning when Joe Biden is like the worst. He's, he was the worst of them. He was like the guy I, I, I would have rat I would have voted for mayor Mayo Pete, like, like the rat. Um, I'm sorry. The, those memes are still very funny. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that whole election was a whole mess. Uh, but anyway, um, back to quarantine. Quarantine hits. I'm very happy. Started playing Minecraft with a couple of friends, and this is where I've actually talked about this in the first episode. I um I played Minecraft with Addison and uh, a couple other friends, and we decided to recreate North Korea for fun because we found like a one to one like uh thousand block uh representation of Earth, and we just moved to Korea and we built like the palace and we built up Pyongyang. And it was so funny. Um, like, uh, like Addison was um, Kim Jong-un, uh, and I was just like, 
I don't know. I was just building. I built for them. I built all the buildings and stuff, which, which was fine. I enjoyed it. I actually got really saw my creative side then. Um, but I actually started to get like radicalized at this time. Um, and it really kicked up. And this gets back into modern day, last six months. Um, like, I, I started listening to like Richard Wolf uh, of Democracy at Work. And I was like, huh. Worker cooperatives are like socialism. So am I a socialist? Because I'd always liked worker co-ops. They were cool. It's a concept. And I didn't really know much about them. And I did more research. I started to like read Angela Davis's writings and listen to her speeches. I listened to like old Huey Newton and Black Panther speeches, things like that. And then it just like led into a rabbit hole of the left. And it really came to a head at the beginning of the protests. And I've talked about this before. Um, See, and I need to clarify some things uh, and talk about what actually happened. See, w after the death of George Floyd, um, the nation, like, kind of burned um, after in outrage. Everybody was, uh, like, uh, BLM, police brutality, uh, economic inequality as well. Uh, just race relations uh, really came to a head then. Uh, it, was more, it was more so everybody versus the cops and, like, the white uh, establishment ruling elite and, like, the billionaires and things like that. People started to get radicalized really fast. I was one of those people, and I was organizing at the time. Uh, like, um, I, uh, I had Olivia on the podcast, Olivia Moore on the podcast before, who I've... I'll get to this in a moment. Uh, and this is something I really need to explain because I haven't had time to. Um, so uh, George Floyd gets killed on video, and uh, very tragically, I, I will say, and I, everybody was angry. I was pissed off. Uh, everybody was pissed off. Everybody was, was going out into the streets and uh, all across cities. And then uh, Olivia, in our city, Olivia had, um, had uh, said, hey, we're going to just go to Winston uh, Square Park and protest and maybe march after. And I had DM'd her, and I had said, hey, um, I'm an organizer. I've organized a couple of things before. Do you need help? Um, is there anything I could do? And then I basically kind of like, like, I mean, she said she was not experienced. She has never done anything like this before. And I was like, okay, cool. You know what? Whatever. I'll let you lead this thing. Um, but I'm going to give you advice. And that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, and it was very successful. The first event was very successful. And, um, at the time, I that was my first time meeting her. I didn't really know much. I didn't do a background check uh, because so really, you really can't with people that young. She was like 16, 17. I don't know. Um, she had run three businesses up until that point, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, that's cool. Uh, you do your thing. That's really impressive um, for someone that young. Um, and. Um, we kept organizing, and this is, I, I, we organized protest after protest after protest. And I was, uh, we were, she wanted to found, uh, me, her, and Amelia Carter, she wanted to found Winston for Peace as an organization to kind of uh, spread youth outreach and get people involved and educated and into the movement as a whole. Uh, it was me, her, and Amelia Carter, like I said, um, who were the three uh, co-founders of the organization. Uh, and, papers listed as such. I mean, it was, it was just a group. 
Um, we had a bunch of other organizers we worked with um, in putting together events and things like that. And early on, at like about the time I posted the podcast, we were starting, me and Amelia were starting to notice some like signs of, and this is the thing I need to clarify. I've talked about my organizing in the protest before. Um, we organized, we got some meaningful reforms of past, I guess, eventually. Um, we spoke, I was extremely active. I didn't sleep most nights, uh, because I was just every day, like getting home super late, stuff like that, studying, reading, becoming radicalized at the time. I was reading about Winston Salem's history, um, like, uh, local 22, uh, like these movements here in Winston and how they manifest like the sit-ins in Winston, like how they've all manifested themselves. And I was incorporating that whenever I, I would speak, uh, I was allowed to speak by like the black organizers and things like that. Yeah. Cause then that's a common misconception people have is that I would go out of my way to stand over people to speak. No, 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 no. Like I, I've been, I've been studying for a long time and I know you got to leave the spotlight to other people. I'm just a, a white cis straight male. I'm like, I got all the privilege and I, I don't see this stuff every day. I don't get pulled over. I don't get profiled. I don't know. None of that stuff happens to me. I grew up in a, a relatively good background. Like I, I was, I was fine and I would always let people speak over me, but I was always asked to speak because I had an extensive knowledge about specific policy details. Like we wanted to end, um, we we wanted to make prisoner prisoner uh, conditions safer. Uh, we wanted to end qualified immunity. We wanted to end um, policing the police. We wanted to defund the police. We wanted to reallocate things to community programs, things like that. We wanted to do all of these things, and eventually wanted to abolish the police. Um, that that was our whole goal. Um, but Olivia did not take this stance, um, as we as as we would learn. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, that was, that was why I was, that's why I spoke. I, I, I was really, really knowledgeable and I could speak to the young boat. I don't know. Uh, I was always felt weird, uh, but um, I would trust me. I, at every opportunity and you can ask all the organizers, I would always let people go before me. Um, and I would just talk about history, how both parties suck, how we need to keep fighting. The same kind of things I'd, I'd talk about in my previous organizing events. Like we just need to keep fighting. Um, and, but anyway, back to like Olivia and that whole situation. See, we don't associate anymore because, um, and I denounced Winston for peace as an organization. Let me get to that. So we noticed early on that she was, uh, like within a week of like the protest, like, like this, is, like the day after, I think if I remember correctly, I don't know, uh, my timeline, it's a long time ago now I've disassociated it. it, it it's in the past. Um, she said she doesn't really care about protesting anymore. And we took this as a sign. We were like, oh, okay. Well, like, I, or she doesn't like protesting because it was getting boring. Like, I was like, uh, red flag, red flag alert. And I was like, okay. We had a meeting for Winston for Peace with a bunch of organizers and uh, community leaders uh, at uh, what the building's called. Uh, downtown right across from uh, Bailey Park and um, she was on her Snapchat the entire time and when she would speak she would only say this is going to be so good for my college application 
remember she would speak to me and Amelia. We we both kind of hated that. Um, and she actually had us ghost write her speeches for us. Like I distinctly remember one time just before a rally uh, at Bailey Park. Uh, we were we were sitting in Bailey Park. We were going to be going to Fourth Street, and um, for an event. And she she was supposed to speak there. And she basically had us. She said, "Okay, I listen. I really don't know what's going on in the black community in Winston Salem, and I'm supposed to be speaking on that. Can you guys write uh, some uh, help me write my speech?" And I'm doing air quotes. Um, and what happened was we wrote her whole speech. We gave her policy details. Um, that she um uh, supposed to have like a discussion on, and she like, uh, she just talking like okay, and the trend kind of continued, um, various other ways. Uh, and she made herself like the center of the organization, like she would always do interviews. She never actually let us have access to the social media accounts because that's all Winston for Peace really was at the time was a social media account, um, and. Uh, we never saw financials because uh, we had decided, um, and I agreed with this at the time, and I, I, I still would if, if it was what actually happened. We were going to raise money to give to black organizations in town. Things like like Housing Justice Now, um, South County Bail Fund. We were going to give money to organizations in town that were already established, that were already fighting injustice, that were doing a whole lot. And I was like, hell yeah, that's badass. Let's do that. And basically, uh, we raised a lot of money. Uh, and we were just going to use Winston for Peace. And we, um, yeah, and we we're going to just use Winston for Peace to just let people know what's happening uh, and maybe do something with it in the future. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, um, this is like a week after the podcast we did, um, I think, I don't know. Really got it. Okay, I'm gonna just pull up what it was, just so I'm getting my dates right here. Um, um, hold on. Good. I'm. I'm just gonna make sure. Okay. Um, what is this? Six two. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like a week after this. Yeah, this was like as we met. Six. Uh, June second. Yeah, this is like just after we met. Like, this is, like, two days after that. that. That's, oh, God. Oh, God, that's early on. Yeah, all this stuff kind of took a place after. Uh, I guess I had my timeline mixed up. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, she had said, um, she had changed her mind all of a sudden um, and said that, you know, we're going to put this money into Winston for Peace. After she had publicly said, we're collecting it to give to other uh, organizations in town, particularly black organizations that were working to fight injustice. And we, that was like, like our line. Like, we were just like, okay, me and Amelia were like, okay, we're getting out of here. We're getting the fuck out of here. Like, um, and we still did not have access to any accounts or anything. We did not have any information about what money was being spent on, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, we uh and on video one one time um uh, uh amelia and olivia were riding home uh and this is like a week or two again after the uh, just, just after a protest and they're riding home and then olivia literally says on and then uh, amelia got this on video which i think is amazing i love amelia she's like literally a queen um she said that she is going to use blm to cover up her stealing. Like literally theft. 
she's gonna say uh she said i think her quote was like um if a cop came up to her are you profiling me are you profiling me like and, and like i'm with blm i'm an organizer like that that kind of thing to kind of cover up all the shit she was doing and uh amelia had told me that she had been like taking her designs uh, uh from etsy uh, from other creators on Etsy and things like that. Like, she had been known for stealing in the past. Um, uh, and, I mean, she obviously meant literally in this sense. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember, to be honest with you now. But we were like, okay, yeah, we're definitely done. We're leaving. We're getting out of here. But we need to figure out how to get out of here. And as soon as we say that, we get threatened. Um, or, well, we had been telling people for, um, well, as soon as we found out about where the money was, uh, where Olivia had said where the money was going, this is like, this is later on in the month when we find out. Um, later on in the protests, um, they throughout the whole month of June, um, we basically said, "Okay, don't donate to Winston for Peace. Don't, don't do it. Stop it. Stop working for them. We're going to leave the organization." We were just telling people this privately at protests and things. Like we are just, we're 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 leaving it. We're abandoning it, and um, um, because it's run very corruptly. Uh, and things like that. There are not good motivations. Like, uh, and I mean, this is all not mentioning how Olivia's parents are like multimillionaires and things like that. She grows up, grew up in a really rich suburb, things like that. Um, and yeah, I just think it's important to mention. Um, so yeah, um, we start mentioning this word gets to Olivia and them, uh, and the other organizers. And, um, basically, for me at least, I don't know about Amelia, I got threatened if I left the organization and I went public and I exposed them. Uh, so yeah, I was, um, trying to leave Winston for peace. Um, and, uh, me and Amelia, we were, we were actually both, uh, threatened with, like, false blackmail if we left Winston for peace. Um, that we got receipts for and everything kind of got sorted i had to contact a lawyer uh just because um of all that stuff like it was it was really bad but luckily our left uh the leftist organizers and the community kind of backed us through everything and yeah that it, everything worked out um we got to expose winston for peace it's now a dead organization it's dead in the water um and um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really can't think of much else about uh, Winston for Peace, to be honest. They're, they haven't been doing much. They're A funny thing, um, they actually got... Uh, the, there was somebody else that actually got access to the accounts and everything. It was the person... Yeah, I mentioned Olivia was on Snapchat. It was the person that literally she had a crush on when she met at the protest. <laughs> The person she had a crush on, this guy, um, and she let him have control of the accounts as well as she. Um, and they're both like neolibs. They, they, they're not radical like me and um, Amelia, just to be clear. And we always had our differences, but I thought I could move them. But obviously not. They're, they're both rich. They're both rich kids. So, um, and you know what? Whatever. Um, yeah, I guess like like looking back now, I, I've learned a lot of lessons. I I've learned a lot about um, I, like okay that that whole thing with Winston for peace. Like 
and and organizing in general in Winston-Salem was the most depressing thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I literally hated it. I hated it so much, in fact, um, because there are, our movement got co-opted by neolibs um, and like people who were just like, I want good things and not bad things, bad things bad, and like 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 actual grifters, like people in it literally protesting for money, like like to make money um, eventually, like founding organizations to make money. Um, it, it was so bad. It was so bad. And like I, I learned a lot of lessons from that, and I grew a lot actually from that whole experience. Now, I was almost deterred. Like it, it's it's so heartbreaking to like learn that like for example like one of the people we were working with, um, uh, we found out that he lied to us about uh, an alleged uh, event uh, where he uh, and now it's not alleged. Uh, they actually confirmed um, that he uh, <laughs> assaulted his girlfriend, um, uh, like physically in like a bar. And uh, we learned that he lied about that ever happening. And um, yeah, and there was another person who was just literally in it to make money and they had stolen money and things like that. Those, like the activists, the good guys that I thought I had met were not. They were, they were just not. I thought Olivia was a good person. Amelia was a fantastic person. Love her. Love the lefties I worked with, like the anarchists and the socialists and all those sorts of people. The radicals from like Winston-Salem State as well. I loved them. They were, they're still good friends of mine, and we, we protested together uh, several times uh, preceding. Um, I also, I, I don't mention, I think I, did I mention this? Um, uh, I got my car vandalized twice. Uh, one, uh, it was so, it, it's honestly funny now. It's, it's scary, it's terrifying. But um, these white supremacists, I was at a protest in, uh, downtown Winston. I was in West End, which we were going to, mar- well, our whole thing was to march through the rich neighborhoods to kind of yell at rich people and be like, hey, you know, we exist. Hey, you know, you should fight for these things. It was kind of successful. It was kind of cool. I liked it. Um, and uh, I left my car and I went to the protest. I come back and it's spray painted. There was like um, MAGA uh, and uh, swastika. And notably, Jews will not replace us. <laughs> I I honestly didn't connect the dots at this time. Like, uh, and I and immediately I was like, okay, I'm not posting about this because people obviously know who I am. If I post about this, um, serious trouble. Like, like they they might track me down, find out where I live, etc. Um, and um, sadly, I didn't even take a picture of it before I cleaned it. I cleaned it off that day. They they the people wrote. Jews will not replace us. And I found out later, and it's it's bad, but it's really kind of humorous that because if you all don't know what I look like, I have a big fucking fro. And the people <laughs> thought that because I had a fro and it was big and it was curly, that I was Jewish. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Um, it and you know what? Uh, white supremacists are fucking dumbasses. Nazis are dumbasses. They literally are just larpers. Like they're like, 
ah, yes, we want to restore the Roman Empire, as they're jerking themselves off. Like, and we're, we're the, the master race or whatever. When they, people are just literally fucking idiots. I, I, I mean, they're scary. Don't get me wrong. Fascists are fucking scary. They have guns. And they're, um, they often are uh, in training. They're, they're, but intellectually, they are stupid. Um, their ideology is bunk. It's stupid. Like people who think brain size, uh, who talk about 1350, like all these stupid things. Anyway, side drop. I got vandalized again by my own high school. Uh, people I knew in high school, people I knew from band. Like these, stu- these losers in my band class. Like they knew I was passionate about politics. They, what they did, okay. <laughs> they, they, the previous night uh, before that happened, I was, uh, I posted a picture on my story for the first time in a while. It was me eating a mellow mushroom uh, on my car in a parking lot. And I took a picture of my car. And I'm going to assume they got the idea from there. And uh, I had noticed that night that they had unadded me. These, these three people who I knew associated with themselves. And I knew they were right wingers. They unadded me that night, and I was like, "Okay, that's weird." Like they had it said other Snapchatters, and it listed their names. And the next day at my house, after my parents got home when they had left for the weekend, uh, they were like, "Austin, what the fuck's up with your car? Why is there food all over it?" And I was like, "What?" And I went outside. I saw it was covered in food. Maga. Um, it, it had maga written on it and like mustard. There was cheese. There was bacon. There was the ketchup. And I know the three fuckers who did it, but I'm going to be nice and not expose them. And hopefully they realize the stupid shit that they did. Because I feel like exposing people, people would call their college and try to get them expelled and things like that. No, they have to learn. Like, they have to, like, physically go to class and learn. Like, that, hey, you know, being a fascist is kind of wrong. Anyway, what they did was, and it's scary, but it's kind of embarrassing. I actually left um, my location on, on Snapchat, um, for, like, the last week or two. Uh, because I had uh, somebody wanted to like watch my route from going from like on a road trip, uh, which is weird, but you know what? That's okay. Um, and um, they had gone on to my and found my location on Snapchat because there's a little feature where you can like look at the map, and they found my location. Um, yeah, and they went to my house and they vandalized my car there. Luckily, I just washed it all off. It took me about 10 minutes. <laughs> it didn't do much. It, it didn't even, like, really scare me. And they, it was funny, because when I called them and confronted them about it, they were like, what are you talking about? And then I mentioned, I, I lied. I've, I, I've bluffed. And I said, oh yeah, we have cameras on our property. I saw you. And they fucking froze. I found out. <laughs> That they were communicating with each other on Xbox Live to try and make their story the same. Oh my god, I have the recordings. I recorded the conversation, and it, I, I like sometimes I, I one time I listened to it again, and it was so funny. God, it was so funny. Like I wasn't even gonna do anything to him. Um, I should file a police report, honestly. But fuck the police, a cab. Um, but um. You know what, if they come back, I made publicly clear that if they come back, that's trespassing. And that's also stalking, legally. I talked to a couple lawyers. <laughs> I'm very glad I have lawyer friends now. <laughs> it's very useful. Um, very glad I worked with the Bail Fund um, and Prisoner Outreach. Like, they're fantastic people. Um, yeah, they're, they're always there to help. I love, I love them to death. Um, 
and yeah, uh, that's that's kind of my story. And I, I learned a lot of lessons, like no more fucking parades. God damn, all the protests in the beginning, and I, I hated it at the time. If you're like, yeah, well, we're protesting. But I don't know what about. Like, like, there's no direct action. There's no holding people's feet to the fire. There's no shutting down anything. There's no... We're just walking out, and the police are just covering us. We're not occupying anything. We're not stopping anybody. We're not impeding anybody. We're not making life difficult for people. But the events where we, like, literally woke up the mayor late at night, um, we shut down a Trader Joe's. We... Um, I got almost ran over at this protest where we shut down one of our, our main road. We walked down to the highway at another one. We striked. We um, we stood in solidarity with Publix workers. We we've done. We did a lot of those things. Those were the protests I like because we actually got shit done, uh, and we felt we were doing things. We were interrupt. We were disrupting. We were actually doing something. Whereas many protests were just parades. You're just like walking around, yeah, Black Lives Matter, wow, uh, and qualified immunity, yeah. Like people would just say random things and they would speak and uh, and it, it was just like, it was it was kind of slacktivism and I hated that I participated in that um, and that's one of my biggest regrets and I mean, I kind of, uh, yeah, I, um, like I said, uh, I think um, a big regret I have is that um, I did not make it absolutely clear at the time that whenever I spoke, cause, cause like I'm a white cis male straight guy. I have all the privilege. I am very, I, I don't get profiled. I don't, I don't get um, followed on the way home. I don't have to worry about going home. I don't have to worry about going out. I don't have to worry about what my kids are doing. I don't have kids, but like, you know what I mean? Uh, as it's a different world. You don't know the direct experience. And I was always asked to speak. And one of the lessons I learned was that, hey, um, you have to make it clear that you were asked to speak. I was asked to speak every time I spoke. I always would try to pass the torch, and I needed to be more clear on that to people in my inner circle and stuff, that I don't want to speak first, because I know that if I'm talking about, and I always spoke about um, policy, uh, and specific ways to advocate, like how both parties suck, how we have to do direct action, how to keep fighting, how we have to get young people involved, all that kind of stuff. I always spoke on that, and I would never speak on individual experience. I talked about history too. History was a big thing. I talked about Huey Newton. I talked about the Black Panthers. I talked about the Winston Salem Black Panther Party and their history. I talked about the Sit-in Movement. I talked about Local Twenty Two. I talked about Black organizers, things like that. Awesome history that we need to build upon and make their message uh, resonate and things like that and bring back the revolutionary fervor we've had in our city. That, and I didn't make it clear enough that I was always asked to speak because people thought I was like white saviouring. But well, no, I, I just, people came to me because I, I knew a lot of stuff about like history and about policy. I wrote policy papers. I wrote, I was incredibly busy. I didn't sleep, like I said, um, all these things. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, going back, I would, I would, I'd be more radical. I would, I would learn more. I would, I would not, I would be enemies. I mean, I would put myself opposed. I'm not enemies with the city council. I mean, I went to city council meetings and I advocated there, but 
there wasn't enough. There were there wasn't enough mobilization on the part, and there was a lot of like protests just kind of died out eventually because we weren't doing anything. People like our protest movement died out because of cops. Like there was propaganda. Like cops uh, completely uh, occupied a protest. Like they they overtook the mics um, at one of the protests, and they just didn't shut up, and they basically turned everybody off um, from actually doing something. And there was not a good counter argument to what they said because at the time they were allowed to speak last. See, um, that that's a problem. Uh, and see, and that those these are the lessons I've learned. I've learned that you have to really back check, fact check people, fact check people. Make sure you're on the right message. Uh, make sure your organizers are good. Their background checked on them. Things like that. That that's what I learned. Okay. Um, and you know, I was a little bit. Um, I was disheartened by the whole thing. Like I said. Uh, but I'm going to keep going in college. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about college. I I've come out of my shell, dude. My shell's fucking gone. Um, I, I got to go to college for two weeks. It was two weeks summer camp. Um, it was really fun. Probably some of the two best weeks of my life. Uh, I played volleyball. I played Frisbee. I was very active. Um, and, um, I, I love the way college is. College is awesome. But I'm now I'm struggling. Now I'm back home. I'm struggling, man. It's a struggle bus. Uh, but to just try and get motivation to do things now. Uh, the only thing that keeps me going uh, is in, is that I talk to my friend. I play Among Us with my friends. I'm on Discord. I'm on Discord right now. But I'm on Discord talking to them. I have conversations. I've kept up in the group me's. And every weekend I go out and I I I typically hang out with people socially distance or um and and with my close friends uh, who I trust I'm I'm uh comfortable being safely hanging out with them and as long as we agree and as long as we get tested before and which I do I get tested like every week um and it's kind of annoying but <laughs> it I I hated the now we have the spit one but the the nose one fuck the nose test fuck the nose test and I love it great doing a lot of work but the spit test is so much better anyway um yeah, um, college, I, I, I've been struggling lately uh, with my classes and things. It's been hard being back home because I wanted to get out of my house. Uh, to be honest, not look back. I, was, I mean, I knew I was going to be so home, but uh, I was excited to leave, um, live my own independent life. Uh, I had fun. I had made mozzarella sticks for my whole dorm. <laughs> I walked three miles for to a Harris Theater. That was fun. Uh, we played volleyball and like. 11 o'clock at night because we had heard that somebody shit in our showers, which was false, by the way. It was <laughs> some NC State kid snuck into our chat and dropped that somebody shit in the second floor Everett showers and showed pictures, quote, quote. And they, they, were, they were from like last year when that actually happened. And it led to a volleyball tournament happening really late at night. Um, <laughs> it was so funny. And now I, I go to Chapel Hill. I usually stay there the weekend. I hang out with people. I'm... I'm out of my shell. I have friends now. I mean, this is such a big radical shift from even like two years ago. I never really had friends in high school. I had people I associated with. I mean, I had like one or two good friends like in Addison and in Cheo. Um, but just people I kind of saw every day at school. I didn't hang out with anybody, but now I hang out with people. Um, which, for better or for worse, I, I mean, of course I'm safe. I'm, I need to emphasize that. Um, but uh, 
um, things have things have changed and things have gotten so much better. I like it was it's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's a happy time. Um, but I mean, school's hard, and it's hard to have motivation to go to like my stupid math class. Uh, and I I wrote like three papers yesterday too. Fuck, like ever. There's a lot of things, you know. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's hard. It, it it's hard being back in quarantine and being back home, being back in Winston, kind of far away from everybody else. It's lonely. It's isolating. But luckily, I have the leftist chat. And we're working on new projects. Like, uh, I'm with the Sunrise Movement now. With I'm with Uncontrollables. Um, like, I've been making phone calls, phone banking uh, in this election for local candidates. Uh, not not Cal Fire Cunningham uh, Fire Emoji. Really quick, I just want to just want to touch on that. Uh, the whole scandal with him. I hate Cal Cunningham. Cal Cunningham is like a political snake. He's he's a centrist politician. But then the pro the thing went out. And I just got to say, like, I don't care if I get canceled for this, but he is the worst. He cheated on his wife in the most cheesy way possible uh, in signal chat. I don't know if you guys know the story, but in signal chats, he, he, he talked to this, um, his uh, veteran friend of his, his wife. Um, and he was like, you're historically sexy. And like the leftist chat, it, like, I think infidelity is wrong. It's fucked up. What he did was really fucked up. I feel awful for his wife and his kids. Like, holy shit, that's really, really bad. But, dude, dude, historically sexy. I want to kiss you all over. Like, he, he's so weird and cheesy. He did this with, like, multiple women. Dude, you're in politics. God damn. Like, you talked about your political ambitions going back to, like, your sophomore year of uh, undergrad. Like, holy fuck. Oh, my God. And we, we make fun of him for it. Um, and the leftist chat has been a godsend for me. It's my close group of friends I could talk to. And we could talk about politics. We could talk about issues. We could talk. And the group me's have been where I can just, we can just be ourselves and open. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I'm on several watch lists by now. Because <laughs> of the jokes I make and the, <laughs> the, the things I say that I'm, uh, you know. But I... Uh, life, life is kind of fine. Uh, I'm fine. I, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Finally. Um, I think overall, I mean, I'm still, uh, it's lonely times in quarantine. It's sad boy hours still sometimes. I, I go through my own, I, I had a lot of uh, mental health trouble going throughout my entire life because I mean, I was kind of alone as a kid. I mean, kind of expect this kind of thing. Um, but Things are getting better. Uh, social interaction and talking to people and keeping up to date and staying active is what's really helped me. And college kind of facilitated that. I couldn't be more thankful for the people I have around me, the people I've met. Like, I'm, they're so much better than the overall the people in high school. God damn, I can't, I can't express that enough. I've met some of the most brilliant minds and brilliant people and loving uh, people I've ever met. Who are always there when you're in trouble and things like that and that's something i can never respect enough out of people the people in college are just good they're just good people i i i don't i don't even know what else to say um yeah I, i've just been going on late night drives blasting music uh spending my money i make on the farm just driving out on gas like that's how i survived during quarantine that's what i did during quarantine by the way that was how I escaped. I went on walks in nature. I went on 
God, I'm fucking old. I would like go like watch squirrels for two hours and like birds and butterflies and just sit out somewhere. Go hiking. I loved hiking. I would go, um, I would read. I love reading. I've been reading a lot of liter- theory lately. Uh, like I said, um, um, you know, I, I found it's kind of a happy place now overall. Life's good. I mean, it's hard, but it's good. Life's always hard. It's 2020. <laughs> it's 2020 perpetually. It's always 2020. Um, and you know what? I, I can bear with that. We got two more weeks. Uh, no, we got a, like less than a week, five days until voting begins, uh, the election day. Um, I can, we can survive. We can make it. We're vibing. Uh, if we have a fascist takeover, fuck. Well, we got to do some organizing. We got to do work. I, I'm motivated every day throughout all the struggles I went through in high school and in my younger life. And then... Okay, well, that just cut out. Um, life's good. I, that's that's really it, man. I, I'm kind of that's kind of your update. That's me. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm Austin. Uh, you know, and if y'all, if I, if I miss something, if I have questions on anything I've said, the whole thing with Winston for Peace is a whole fucking mess. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, the I love talking about. It. I want to talk about. I never talked about Russia, did I? But fuck it. You know what? Ask me about it. <laughs> Um, I spent some time in Russia studying uh, international relations and diplomacy, blah, 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 uh, on a scholarship program. Uh, cool. I got into UNC. I'm a proud Tar Heel. Um, and I'm vibing. I'm just a hippie. I'm now the hippie, uh, crazy, like, crackhead energy um, person I've always wanted to be. Um, also a nerd at the same time. It's it's a weird balance. It's a weird vibe. Great vibe, in my view. I mean, because I'm me. But, um, yeah. that That's me. That's my life. That's my episode. And on that note, I think I'm done. Fuck. It's been like an hour and a half. I, I don't know how long I've been going on at this point. But, yeah. I don't know. Want playlist recommendations? I got you, B. You want sad music? I got you. If you want um, just to talk about politics. I don't know how many, like all three of you that are listening. I'm always here. I'm always open. DM me, text me, whatever. Fuck it. I don't know. I'm, I'm an open book, man. I really am. I try to be because not many people are. And that's, you got to be the change, I guess. I don't know. That's, that's stupid. I'm get put, I'm going to get off of my high horse now and say goodbye and good night is literally three 30 in the morning. Uh, when I'm recording this, um, yeah, I, hey, nighty night, have, live a good life, I hope, I don't know what my story means to you, maybe you don't care, I wouldn't care personally, no, I probably would, because I love hearing stories, but that's kind of mine so far, and I hope the world gets better, and I hope that I keep doing what I do. And I hope I look back. No, I can't listen to the sound of my own voice. I'm not looking back at this. But people could tell me how much I've changed <laughs> in the future. Maybe I'm going to be a different person. Maybe I'm going to be like emo by the end of this when we were under the fascist boot. But, um, you know, this is, this is me, uh, October 28th, 2020. And on that note, how do you night, y'all? Have a good day.
I don't know what you're doing, but I'm stalling because I like talking. Anyway, <laughs> bye bye now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the tenth uh, episode of the On the Wrong Track podcast. And on that note, bye bye. <laughs>